Right, Nahum chapter 1, we are going to declare the glory of the Lord from there. The book of Nahum chapter 1. Again, we like to make sure our voices resound with each other. So, let's use the same version of the scriptures. Are you there? Yes, sir. So, we are using, using the New American Standard. Are we ready? Now, we are lifting up the name of the Lord. We are lifting up the name of God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. One, two, let's go. A jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In whirlwind and storm is his way, and clouds are the dust beneath his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The blossoms of Lebanon wither. Mountains quake before to him, and the hills dissolve. Indeed, the earth is upheaved by his presence. The world and all the inhabitants in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the burning of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken up by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. Let's stop there. All right, the Lord is good. Yeah, well, this morning we're just going to stop in verse 7. Initially I said we'll read to verse 13, but I like the way verse 7 sounded, so we're going to end it in verse 7, all right? We've read Nahum chapter 1 from verse 2 to verse 7. Let's read that verse 7 again. 1, 2, let's go. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. One more time. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. Hallelujah. If you are taking refuge in the Lord, say amen. Are you sure about that? Now, according to the confidence in your amen, so we'll know whether you are telling the truth or not. If you are taking refuge in the Lord, say amen. Amen. You know what that means? It means the Lord knows you. Ah, you're not happy about that. It means the Lord knows you. You know what it means to know somebody? He knows when you go out, when you come in. That there's something the Lord does with me. And I know it's with every one of his children, just that I know me. Are you, are you getting my point? You know, he tests the sincerity of everything I do. And he lets me know that this is what you are doing. I can see why you are doing it. And some things I, I can't just tell you openly. <laughs> the way he just does something, I'm, I'm looking, you know, so I've learned now. There are times I literally, you know, look over my shoulder and say, I know you are there, you are looking, you know, that kind of attitude. Now, I told you a story once. I wanted to put honey in my uh, tea in the morning. And I picked the honey like I was about to put it. I just, let, I just looked, I held it back. I said, Lord, it tastes nice. That's all. Sure, I can drink it. <laughs> and I meant it. Because I found out that if I start saying, honey is a key to health. Don't use sugar, use honey. That's it. I've developed allergy to honey. That's what the Lord does me. Next thing I know is that anytime I take honey, my stomach will start doing, you know, start rumbling, start moving. The next day, that day I'll go to the toilet like four, five, six times, and I'll be wondering, what did I eat? And I'll say, you'll soon find out. Then you remove the honey for two, three days. Then I'll put the honey again. Then it start again. Then I'll get the point. So I didn't want that to start at all. So we had to have a negotiation, you know. Prove your case. I had to prove my case. Say, Lord, this is purely for the 
feel, the taste, you know. It puts this creamy thing into your drink. Uh -huh, they feel. So it's, it's smooth. You know, it's smooth in the mouth. So that day, I just had to tell the Lord. And of course, I can just imagine that he just smiled and said, thank you, drink your honey, don't worry, no be fight. At least you've gotten the point. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, that's when we see the Lord knows. Knows doesn't mean it only gives you, hey, just take more honey, more sugar. No. Sometimes I say, why are you drinking honey? Drop it. Drop it. There was a time I was in Lagos, it was years ago. I was ill. And I, many of you, because of the way I preach, you forget that I actually have a medical degree. I actually do. And it's not a fake certificate, it's genuine. <laughs> I can take you to, to a lot of my people that will study, my classmates and all of that. They will prove that, we're, you know, they will tell you. So it's, it's a genuine one. So I actually know. Okay, where is this tall neurosurgeon? Okay, it's in the other hall. It was the first set of class I taught in Enugu. So actually, yeah, actually, <laughs> I actually do this job. <laughs> you don't believe it. Yeah, I do. And the way I speak, you understand? So one day I wasn't feeling well. I decided, okay, this is the treatment I needed. Then I wanted exactly how, okay, I'll tell you. I, so I decided that I'm going to take some treatment. And I used to do funny things. I could give myself injections. I don't know people are afraid of injections. I'm not afraid of it. I give it to myself. I mean, and I'm not a drug addict. I mean, just like, <laughs> I wanted to just take. <laughs> I could almost hear like, God said, no drugs. Yeah, that's what he said. So I said, okay, I get the point. I had the drugs, everything. Put them in the dustbin. I went and laid down. It took me one month to get well. Don't think that the miracle now happened. It took me a month to get well. But I got the point clearly. No drugs. Let's talk. That talk, eh? Took a month. To the one that happened about two years ago here, same thing. So I, and I told you the testimony that day. I was feeling very ill, right? I told my wife that, listen, I'm not leaving this house for certain reasons. I'm not going anywhere. So he said, ah, what if you die at home? My friend died in ICU. So what's the big deal? And he died about a week before that. With all the best cares in the world. We were coordinating from everywhere in the world to take care of him. In a well-equipped intensive care. And he still died. So I said, all right, if I'm dying next, I'm dying at home. I'm not going anywhere. So that day I was feeling so ill, very, very ill. So finally I sat up and I took, I think, a tablet of uh, paracetamol or ibuprofen. I can't remember very, very, um, which one exactly now. I just need to calm the fever all of that down. So I held it. Again, I talked to the Lord, said, please, I'm not feeling well. I said, Lord, I'm not feeling well. I just need to get well, you know. I don't know how I knew, but I prayed a while. Then the answer was no. So I dropped the tablet. I laid down. Fell asleep. In 30 minutes, the fever broke and never returned. Never returned. Never returned. Then one day my wife said, you know, you're not sleeping. So what do you mean I'm not sleeping? So every time I open my eyes, you are awake. You're either sitting up, you're lying down, you're pacing or something. I said, hey, I'm not sleeping. Okay, so I said, Lord. Okay, so it was around 3 a.m. I said, don't worry, don't worry. Okay, I'm fine, I'm fine. So I turned and told the Lord, I said, you heard that too. I'm not sleeping. I need to sleep. Then I opened my eyes. And there was nobody in the house. It was 9 o'clock. From the time I prayed that prayer, six straight hours, I didn't blink. I didn't know I fell asleep. I just prayed a short prayer. The next thing, I opened my eyes, and there was nobody, you know. My wife had, you know, taken the kids, had gone to school. So then shortly after that, my phone rang, and she was the one trying to check. She said, look, sorry, that you were sleeping so soundly. I felt to be out of order. 
to tell you we are going. Going to work. Going to school. I said, eh? Six straight hours non-stop. I didn't... Are you getting my point? If I, it was as if I passed out. <laughs> it was as if I passed out. So when the Bible says the Lord knows, I'm just making it real. He knows. He knows those who take refuge in him. What, what are you taking refuge in? That's the question. Look, can you just bow down? I need to pray for a minute. And ask yourself and tell the Lord to accept you. What am I taking refuge in? What am I taking refuge in? What am I taking refuge in? Say, Lord, let my heart take refuge in you. Wherever I have kept my heart, Lord, refocus me on you this morning. He said, He will keep in perfect peace the mind that is stayed on Him, for He trusts in Him. Yesterday we were teaching, discussing the Bible here. They were laughing at me that the pastor came with and uncle. Say, A pastor can't go anywhere. He has. He has thought so much, he can't run anywhere. Again, like I say, it's not because going to places is evil. It's just that we must take refuge in the Lord. That's it. I can't say I'm looking for prosperity and I go and look for it abroad. The Lord will be offended. Time will not let me and allow me this morning to start telling stories of how God has made himself clear in my life. That look, take refuge. Have your hope only in me. Let's read that. Nahum chapter 1, verse 7 again. Are you there? All right, we were reading together earlier. All right, I want to let's go. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take his refuge in him. Father, we thank you this morning again, because we know you know us. For each one that has come here this morning, for each one that's logging in, joining us online, each one that has taken time this beautiful morning, to come to your presence. You know him, you know her. And we know you have prepared a special word. Just like we asked you in our earlier prayers, and even before then, that prepare something for each person. We know, Lord, you have done it. For that reason, we say thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now, because we believe that, we declare as follows. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Oh. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. Okay, so we are now looking at the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we are looking at. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know the way the church ends most of its meetings. Well, that thing I think is, is a Nigerian thing, right? Yeah, it's not any, uh, American churches close. If you go to a church in America, you're going to get confused. Sometimes the end service right after the pastor's message. Announcement has been taken, offering has been taken, everything has been done earlier. And the man just preaches and preaches and then he says, all right, you can go home, you are dismissed. <laughs> yeah. No, you are like, excuse me. I mean, are you, going to share, you want us to live in disgrace? Not the way we say. 
<laughs> yeah, the way that's how they that's how they end their services. It's really quite interesting. If you if he's not in Nigerian, if you go to the US, don't go to a Nigerian church. If it's a Nigerian church, come on. We'll do it the godly way. You get my point? <laughs> we always end it the way Paul when Paul writing to the um the Corinthians, yes. And that's where that's where we recite it from. Explain to them that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship as a second the last verse of Second Corinthians anyway. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that's the way we do it in Nigeria. Nigerian church, almost every meeting, even if it's birthday party, how can we live Abba, without sharing the grace? We always do that. Now, that grace of the Lord Jesus is what we are looking at. What exactly does it mean? Now, if anyone is listening to this, there's a series we did before this, which we titled um, Faith Foundations for the Christian Walk. This is actually a continuation of that because we said knowledge is very important. So we began to look at the things that we are supposed to know. Listen, knowledge is crucial to the Christian walk. In fact, what makes you you is what you know. That you know so much you're operating by. And we read that from the words of Eli. Eh, for Eli who? He said, no one says, where is God my maker? I think it's Job 35, thereabout. He said, no one says, where is God my maker? Who teaches us? Emphasis on teaching. That's verse 10. He said, where is God my maker? Who gives songs in the night? Now, I'm going to distract myself a bit with the word song, all right? Time me. If it's more than two minutes, say, oh, guy, do. Go back to your message. <laughs> he said, he, he, who gives songs in the night? Who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of the heavens? That is, it is that instruction, the things that we know as a result of divine instruction, and the one we are walking by, which is what wisdom is, that makes us human. I hope I get my point. Now, this is my digression for two minutes. The other day, I thought about it. I was discussing with my wife at home. If somebody says there is no God, tell the person, stop being ridiculous. Even if I don't know who God is or what he's like, or whether he's one or 50 or a million, or whether they are gods, <laughs> you get my point? Yeah, maybe. I will accept that. But don't say there is no God. And you would rather believe that chance is God, which means things just came out of nothing because life is too ordered. Where, where am I going? The, the concept of songs... And dance makes no scientific sense. Yes, go and think about it. It's not science. You can say food. There's a physiologic reason why we need to imbibe nutrition. All right? But song and dance, no. Why is people dancing and say, no, this has to be from somewhere? It has to be. And it's just in everybody. Once the beat starts, you you don't even know you're moving, no? The song never even concerns you. You are just you are just walking down the road, and they are, you are passing there. Do 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 do, and then you are just dancing. Your next your head is going like this. Why? It's, see, it's God that put it there. In fact, dogs are very smart. The only dog you see dancing is in movies. That's animated. Yeah. Uh huh. I would say yeah, they've seen monkey dance. I say in circus, it doesn't know it's dance. Just like when he hears this, or God says shift this way. It's, it's that, look, songs, I don't want to start talking about it now, but God gave us songs for a reason. Now, whether you like songs or not, go and like it. I hope you get my point. Whether it's hymn you want to do, do hymns. If you want to do rap, do it. Okay? But you must have songs in your life. It's important. Songs print words. They shape your life. They do. 
one of these philosophers, uh, philosophers says something. I don't know which one of them, so I won't give you the name. He said, allow me to write the songs of a people. I don't care who writes the laws. So let me write the songs of a nation. I don't care who writes the laws. That the songs are more powerful than the laws. The songs that they sing, more powerful than the laws. People obey the songs in their heart more than they obey the instructions we give them. That was why before Moses departed, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, he taught Israel a song. And you know Jesus used to sing? People just assumed that all he did was pray and heal the sick and raise the dead. No. Here in the disciples, they used to sing. You hear the Bible before in the garden, they sang hymns before they left. And let's sing songs that make sense. Again, young people, because you are young, you know, they have this group they call because you are young people. Teach people to sing real songs. Don't just don't sing songs just because of the beat. The beats are meant to help you remember the words. They are supposed to put you in the mood to imbibe what the spirit is saying. That's why it's not every beat, actually. <laughs> I stumbled into one guy one day. He was a worldly musician before he became a Christian. And he knows so much music, eh? That he wrote a long article. He analyzed songs and was trying to show righteousness in rhythm. I read the whole thing. Then I got confused, but I finished reading. At least let it be that I've heard it before. So I wanted to show that he, he can listen to a song and tell you whether it is, it is good or bad, spiritually speaking. He will check the pattern of the rhythm and let you know this will open doors for demons. This, no, yeah. He, he analyzed. Now, listen, I told you I got confused because it's his side. You know, there are areas you have skill. Obviously, the guy has skill in music. And he was an unbeliever. Became a Christian as an old person, as a grown person. And they began to analyze what they call the righteousness. That is, not in words, lyrics now, but in the beats, the arrangement. He will show that this kind of music cannot be godly. And he has his reasons. Now, I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I mean, how can I judge what I don't understand? But that it is there, it tickles something in me. All right? Now, I'm just talking about young people. First, the lyrics are crucial. Anything that's not speaking righteousness, stop listening to it. The reason is because, is because it's controlling you more than you realize. Yeah, it is. Just please go and read my little book. It's free to download if you are not here. All right? Uh, someone is controlling you. I read the Ruda book some years ago. It's so true. You are not, it is not this moment you are taking an action that you are deciding. Decisions were made for you before that day based on what you have been feeding your heart with. I'm talking about songs. Who gives us songs? You know, Moses taught songs to Israel so that they would know how to re- react and respond when they are in difficulty. They will know to go to God in repentance. It's not everybody that's singing you should listen to. There are songs, I've ne- I didn't grow up as a Christian, where initially we're very strict about secular music and worldly music. Then when I became older as a believer, still young though, my 20s, I, I d- discarded the strict division and I became objective on each song I listened to. Do you follow my point? But I found out, without anybody even forcing me, after, if I listen to most secular music, I can't stand them for long. I'm here the first time and I really like it. I remember the first day, I had been hearing Shaggy, Shaggy, Shaggy. I didn't know who Shaggy was. One day I heard Shaggy and I heard why me, why me, Lord? 
You know me, I'm a Lord now. So I'm a Lord person. I said, oh, is this guy singing? So I went and collected. So they were doing a trade fair in Enugu that time. So I went and I told this man to stop me in two minutes. He just stand there and said, I did not tell him anything. Look at it. Oh, who help me now? Most of them. I don't know. All these young people, they will not even help you at all because they want to hear this one. Anyway, then we had trade fair. Trade fair used to hold here. Those of you who live in Enugu long enough are close by here. Uh, that's, um, is this city? Eh? GTC, yeah. So I went there. So the, then CDs was, the in, was still the in thing. So this guy was selling. So I said, oh, Shaggy, that's a Shaggy guy. I collected Shaggy. So I went home, played Shaggy. Now, to be honest with you, that guy is extremely talented. I don't doubt it. Whoever writes and writes the, that's who arranges the songs, fantastic. He himself has a voice that when you see him, you are surprised that this Opelenge guy, now you get this kind Voice, yeah, heavy voice like this. And the guy could rap, he could sing. So I started listening to him. Very nice. <laughs> then, and after a while, he was saying, why me? Why me, Lord? Police will arrest him. They will catch him with another woman. Those kind of things. I said, why me, Lord? I said, ah, I thought you were suffering for Christ. You are telling me. Why? <laughs> no, the beats were fantastic. The, the rhythm. Ah! Then, one of the major songs, the first line is, let's just say, Ada. It was not Ada, of course, not a Nigerian song. Say, Ada caught me with sleeping with the girl next door. Ada is his wife or his girlfriend or something. Ah. He said, I forgot I gave her the extra key. And I collect the CD. Mm. Discarded it. Thank you very much. You don't do. It is enough. I'll be honest with you. Parting ways with him was painful for me. Because I feel this guy is so talented. Sometimes I hear talented people sing nonsense. And it's, for me personally, it's painful. Because I know this, this is our talent. It's God gave this thing to you. You just want to, you're supposed to use to bless us. You're using to work for the devil. You know, you just work out the person and then you go your way. It's just so very annoying. Same thing with this our guy. No wonder he's impregnating women everywhere. Because, you see, yeah, that's what they told me. They said, yeah, very skilled. Ah, there was one album he had, beautiful album. So there was one they released one day. My wife and I were coming from um, the ranch. That's Obudu. Got a guy to come and pick us. So this guy in the vehicle, I recognized the voice. He was playing Two-Face. I said, this song, I've not heard it before. You know, and the, the chorus was in Yoruba, which I understand well, you know, mixed with English. I said, well, it was very nice. I really enjoyed it for the drive from there to, I think, Ozikbuku or, or Tupu, somewhere there. Ah, I really enjoyed the... So I, I, I now came home and went to go and look for it. I found the CD after some time. I bought it. <laughs> you had one track there, wonderful. That is, when you're playing that, you feel like dancing. Then he got to one line. He said, now two, two chicks are going to carry. I said, you see the problem with these people? <laughs> I carry. I just carry the CD just throw it. He said, what is wrong with you people? I must go punish you first. I didn't, you know, I don't know. Let me tell you something. Eh? You can give your power and authority to the beast. That's what these people are doing. Yes. The ten kings gave their power and the authority to the beast. If you're a believer, be careful. See, you know the only thing the, only thing the beast offers in return? Money. Fame. That's all. And those people are doing, giving their power and the authority to the beast. This song was now. Why did you have to carry two two chicks? And you're telling me. Then, if you're a young person, you start listening to that when you're 17, 
16, 17, you are grown up with it. Listen, you will carry to church. Ah. And the thing is that you won't know why. This is the painful part. You will not even know why. You just think it's a normal thing. So please, eh, make your choices. If you're a young person, decide. This music sounds nice, but I won't follow it. It appeals to the flesh. It does not agree with the spirit. It's simple. It, see, like I told you, that day when I parted the road with Shaggy, it pained me. I said, wow, such a talent. But I have to let go. Lot must go. Lot is a relative, but Lot must go. I would deliberately listen to, you know, those, you know, um, crown him with many crowns. Not. Look, just going to listen to it. After a year, you start liking it. Tell you the truth. The next thing, if you have the gift and talent, in fact, there's one, there's one um, um, ringtone Akinlo has. And if his phone rings near me, I say, don't answer it, don't answer it. Why? Because his ringtone is so nice. I want it to play through. And it's an old, is it Mozart or something? Or Beethoven? Very old, you know? But somebody funky, you know, to funkify something. When you hear it, like, we say, oh, wow. So where I'm going is that, Take the hymns and funkify it. It's not a problem. Bring it down to the young generation. Crown him. Crown him. Crown him. We will crown him. What is it? Anyone you like. But that crown him, we will sing it. That crown him, we must sing it. Let me get back to my message. I hope the two minutes is over now. Because songs, they are part of the things that God has given to make you human. That's the point I'm making. Songs, they are part of what God gave to make us human. But then the main message, he teaches us more than the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of the heavens. So information, knowledge makes you human and makes you, remember we have two kinds of human beings. Remember that? If you remember we taught it, was it last year and earlier this year? Was it last year? Uh-huh. We have homo sapiens. Homo sapiens, Adamus, thank you. And then Homo sapiens, Christus, thank you. Look, your biology is good. Spiritual biology. There are two kinds of human beings. There's Homo sapiens of Adam, the first man, earthy. Then there is Homo sapiens made after the second man, the last Adam, who became the second man. That is Christ. Okay? And I explained then, please listen to this, those two people are very different. Initially, you may think they are not different, but they are actually different. The knowledge of truth, most importantly, the knowledge, which is what we are beginning now, of Christ, all right, brings out the nature of the Christus species. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, it does. It does. Now, please, this is very important. You know, the other day I was um, going through, something made me go to check it out. So I, I got a chart. You know, last time I was trying to say that, but I know I met Adam or Cole, you know, I wasn't very sure. Okay, yeah, he didn't. He's his grandfather that lived, was have spoken with Adam. No, I think his father also. Yes, his father. Okay, so Adam died before Noah was born. So I was looking at it. I realized that, you know, Shem. Hmm? Shem lived longer than, like, the six generations after him where Dan Shem was still alive. That's why some people, of course, he was alive, certainly, without doubt, in the time of Abraham. That's why some people say that Shem was um, 
Melchizedek. Now, I don't accept it like that. I don't know. Let me start with I don't know, and I don't want to get into that discussion now. There are certain reasons why I'm not easily convinced about that, okay? The Bible didn't say so, and the way they derived it was kind of long and tortuous, okay? But it had to, partly had to do with the fact that he was the oldest living person who knew the Lord on the earth at that time. But the point I want to bring out is the fact that the man, obviously, you know, was alive. Shem was still alive when Abraham's father died. When Terah died, Haran, Nahor, Shem was still alive. In fact, from the chart I'm seeing here, Shem outlived Abraham. Outlived Abraham and Sarah. He died sometime during the life of Isaac. Can you believe that? It just, if you see the, 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 the chart, the bars were drawn. The people just began to live shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter as time went on. They, they just kept on living shorter. In fact, and then people will say that maybe they calculated the age wrongly and the years. No. No. Those who actually moved away from their lineage lived far shorter than them. So it was the reason why when um, Pharaoh saw Jacob, he was amazed. And he said to Jacob, ah, how old are you? Jacob said, I forgot exactly the answer he gave. He said, but my years have not been as long as those of my fathers. Which is true. Jacob lived to be 147. Isaac lived to be 180. Abraham did 175. Abraham's father, 172. Abraham's grandfather, 205. And, of course, Jacob understood, knew all of those things. So it was like, ah, okay. Now, the point I want to make is that the Egyptians were not living that long. So don't think it was normal. And anytime God speaks a word, that's something you should bear in mind. The word tends to take a while. Many t- okay, let me say every time. Many times it takes a while to come to pass because certain things have to be set in motion. So when they say, in the day that you eat, that day you shall surely die. Now, those of us who think the way we think now and being very physical in our reasoning, we just assume that they are supposed to drop dead. But what God said, no, a principle has been activated. The length of your telomeres has been shortened. <laughs> That's more advanced biology. Now your genes are going to start getting shorter and shorter with each generation. And I, I, know, a bit, I know a bit of genetics because of my natural training. And I know from one generation to another, genes get altered. Look, there are diseases that will tell you that, look, it's amplified in every subsequent generation. A particular class of genetic disorders. And I realized, actually, that when God speaks a word, all right, that word keeps getting amplified. So what happens is that when God said that to Adam, Adam began to go down. He began to go down. His descendants began to go down. It was began, that's the word. That thing started. It started. It became so bad that in the modern generation, they will tell you life expectancy in some countries is just 45. And today's day and age, now, please, that life expectancy thing, I also disagree with some people recently, is, is calculated in a very silly fashion, okay? But let's not go into that. Let's just look at the maximum life that people live today. Scientists have calculated. They did all their calculations and said that a human being will not live beyond 120. Now, they are not accurate, okay? But they came to the calculation, looked at the genes, looked at history, looked at many things, and they said, look, the life that the longest a human should expect to live with everything, 120, which is not really the order of God. Before then, of course, they don't believe biblical accounts. They don't. They don't believe biblical accounts, all right? But if they would just bother, again, I want to go into this for a moment. Please, believe biblical accounts. No matter how silly, just take it. 
one day you will understand. Like I've shown you here in recent times, that the science people hold on to as if it is God. People are just not honest about it. They keep changing their minds every day, and people still say that they are God. As a 70 years, 60 something years ago and earlier, what they call physics and astronomy, advanced physics, they believe that the universe is eternal. That's always been there, will always be there. Just about 60 something years ago, they said no, it had a beginning. Why? They saw it was expanding. So anything that's expanding must have started from somewhere smaller. So they said that it's small, it started from somewhere as small as a marble and increased to a diameter of trillions of kilometers in less than one over a trillion of a second. Think about that. Does that make sense? Really, it doesn't. So basically, it's instantaneously came into being. That's what they were saying. Then they said, is expanding, it will start reducing. In, as at the time I was in university, when I read a brief history of, a history of time by Stephen Hawking, it was still, I mean, I'm talking about 30 something years ago, all right? It was still the teaching that is expanding, then to slow down in the rate of expansion and then shrink back again. You know, it will also disappear one day. Then a few years ago, they said no. It's expanding and the rate of expansion is actually not reducing. The rate of expansion, the rate of expansion is actually what? Increasing, which means it should expand eternally. What is the reason? This makes no, now listen to this. It makes no sense. The principle of conservation of energy, it doesn't make any sense that the rate of expansion will be increasing, except you are supplying energy from somewhere. Of course, because they know enough physics, they said energy is being supplied from somewhere. Where's that place? Nowhere. They don't know. So you know what they call the energy? Dark energy. And when you say there is God, they say you are being silly. Meanwhile, they are believing an energy coming from somewhere that they don't know. And they're supposed to be rational. Look, this is Satan. Please, I want you to bear in mind. It is pure what? Satan. Now, all this confusion has initially thought that the Bible didn't know what it was saying. They are back to what the Bible said in the beginning. The Bible always said there was a beginning. The Bible always said there was a beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke it into being. Boom, suddenly appeared. Now, it can be slowed down and then they said, no, it went from nothing, essentially. That's the principle. Well, it's a point of hyperdensity to trillions of kilometers in less than, to make it easy to comprehend, in less than one-tenth of a second. Actually, they said in one, less than one over a trillion of a second. Let's just make it easy to comprehend. In less than a, one, one percent of a second. Which essentially is what we call instant. Exactly what the Bible says. Exactly what the Bible says. And I'm happy, Father God, I give you the glory, I give you the praise that I believed your word before they said it. They cannot detect my faith. I said last time, my faith in God is scientifically reasonable. It's scientific. I'm not saying science told me to believe in God. I'm just saying that if you just observe science, why not that they hated God? Why not that they hated God? They should have said where is God? Let me digress a bit. You know the reason why? The God we preach doesn't just keep quiet. If the God we preach was what they call the, the God of deism, science would have accepted him. But because we preach the God of theism, somebody says, what's the difference? Deism means that you believe that God created everything and he disappeared. Theism is that you believe that God created everything and is still involved. So God can say, let there be no rain. God can say, let the globe warm up. Basically, God is still in charge. He's still in control of things. They don't like that. Do you know why they don't like it? 
God tells them who they can marry, who they can't marry. He wouldn't mind his business. No, and I'm not joking, this is fact. That's the reason why they don't like him. If you just be like the deistic God or partial deistic God that is, yes, you can come control the weather, but don't control the homes. Like one man in one movie I saw years ago, the guy said, he wanted to marry one woman. So the woman said, let's go to church now. He said, the good Lord and I have an arrangement. I don't go to his house. He doesn't come to mine. Yeah. He said to the lady, the good Lord and I have an arrangement. So he told the girl, I ain't going to, I'm not going to church with you. Leave that thing. That's what they want. Stay in church. Stay in the cathedral. Stay in the buildings. When our homes, we do what we like. Which started with our loving our neighbor's wife anyway. Yeah. That's where it began from. Look, all of this, is, that's where it started from. Because those women used to marry very early. Everybody married early. So most of the women you like that were not yours belonged to somebody else. That was where we started from. So when we want to join the fence, God will chop the leg. God will catch us and punish us. They will start saying, there's no God. Because we want to keep jumping the fence, thank you, into the neighbor's house. Then he moved into all, those, all sorts of things until he woke up in the morning and said, I like the dog. Yeah, that's what God now did to us. Take, like anything you like. Some people are not marrying bacteria, whatever it is. <laughs> the Lord is good. Why did I go into all of that? To let you know that the scriptures are correct. The word of God printed is accurate. Don't let anybody come and confuse with the fact that he went to school. He didn't go to school well. If he went to school well, school would have drawn him closer to God. If he studied his science well, he would have been worshipping more and more. Everything in the Bible, no matter how ridiculous it is, is reasonable, spiritually speaking. A virgin can conceive and give birth to a son. We believe it. We believe it. We believe absolutely that Jacob can peel sticks and put them in front of mating animals. And as the animals gaze upon those things, their genes will change in their offsprings. We believe that is a form of genetic polymorphism. And on earthing of hidden genes. Yes. I mean, these things are very, very scientific. I'm telling you the truth. It, that one is not, look, that's not even a big miracle. But knowing what God can do. That one is not, that one is, as we were in God training. That's nursery school miracle. Yeah, the one that God did with uh, Laban and uh, Jacob. That one is not a big one. Because right now, I can, if you sit with me, I will take you to the scientific reasons it could happen. So I'm going to say, look, believe the scriptures. What did I say? No matter how ridiculous, believe the scripture. If they tell you the fish swallowed a man, believe it. You know, I've heard all kinds of stories that uh, the, where, where, the, where was this in air to breathe and all of that. You know what I've now found out recently? The fish did not swallow a living man. That fish swallowed a dead man who drowned, kept him in his mouth for days. Then when God commanded, vomited him up. And God gave him life again. I'm just asking you to understand that the word of God is correct. You hear what I said? What did I say? The word of God is correct. It's correct. It's correct. Absolutely correct. The fish swallowed the man. The fish did. The fish vomited him up. Yes, resurrection with God, raising the dead is not new. Did Jesus not say it? He gave them the sign of Jonah. So with the son of man also being the belly of the earth, for three days and three nights. After which he will rise again. Exactly what happened to Jonah. So when the Bible says the fish swallowed the man, believe it. 
If you read your scriptures, the prayer that Jonah prayed was prayed in strange places. The first one was prayed as it was going down. The weeds, according to him, he would say it got to the bottom of the mountains. The sea crushed his chest. If you know a little bit of science, you don't get to that level and your, your chest is crushed. Then he began to pass out. In those few minutes before he finally passed out entirely, he, he prayed to God and continued to play, pray as he entered into show. And after that, of course, in that realm, time really doesn't matter. Time doesn't matter. Time does not matter. So at the end of the day, once the prayer said, on the earth, it came out to be three days and three nights. And God told his fish to vomit him up. It is correct. It is true. It's not a lie. When the Bible says that at the time, one man and his children, his sons, they built an ark. All right? They built an ark, and the man collected all the land animals and put them inside, and they fitted. It is correct. So the variety, now, let me just drop this for you again. This variety was not there at that time. Most of these dog breeds I was telling you about, I saw the analysis recently. It's recent, in the few, last few hundreds of years. They did not exist. This variety of cats you find on the earth now, we found out. They did not exist. There was no cheetah at that time. People don't know that. Cheetahs arose hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later. As God's, God's word continued to move and genetic diversity came into the cat family. I found out that all cheetahs on earth are genetically identical. You can transplant a kidney from one cheetah to another, it will not reject. And that's why they are not strong animals. They've been inbred. Their hearts are too small for their size. Now, these are real things. So I want you to understand them. So when the Bible says Noah did what he did, you know what? Noah did. When the Bible tells you Noah did what he did, please take it, Noah did. Let nobody come and make it look at now as if uh, they know something you don't know. They don't know as they ought to know. Talking of our brothers the other day, he and I were chatting about something. I said, let me, <laughs> let me scare you a bit. For those of you who do scientific publications, go and read what they call P-hacking. And the man's, the, you know the caption of the, the, the video, are all scientific publications false? The man just showed again what we always knew. There are three kinds of lies. Lies, lies, and statistics. You know? <laughs> no, they say lies, damn lies, and statistics. Statistics can be made to say anything. That's why I don't believe a word. One word, I can't even believe it. I know too much to believe one word of this anthropogenic global warming. If you see the way they say, what they call it, the newspapers report, you know, it can't be true. Fish died in an ocean, died somewhere in the U.S., washed up on the beach. And immediately it's been reported. It is because there was low oxygen in the ocean at that time because of global warming. You've not tested the ocean. Fish died yesterday. Today you know the cause. You've not examined for other things, like toxins. Don't forget from this emotion, things are coming out as bubbles of gas coming because you are mining oil. You didn't talk about that. You want to tell me it's global warming. Why? You have an agenda. What's the point I'm making to you? The word of God is right. The Bible is correct. I hope you're getting my point. The Bible is correct. The word of God is true. If it tells you that, now back to where we were. If it tells you that these men lived this long, they did. And some of their um, skeletons have been found. 
And the scientific world tries to interpret it as a kind of unknown. No, it was, they are known. When I heard somebody like um, Sadhu Savaraj talk about the Maharishi of Mount Kailash, I believe him. This is, I believe a lot of things that an average person doesn't believe. Because I've seen enough to know that <laughs> things that are stranger than, fi- than fiction actually happen. Science told us before that depth of the uh, sea is too dark, too low on oxygen tension and all of that thing for anything to live there. You know why? They've never, they had never been there. The day they got there, they found all kinds of strange animals. Animals that God made and adapted them to withstand extreme pressure. Pressure so strong that it crushes capsules made of steel. And the man are just swimming around and say, guys, what are you looking for down in our zone? I mean, they're swimming around. Until then, they said there was nothing down there. Why? Too dark, too low in oxygen, and too high in pressure. They, didn't, they don't know the God of the universe. The God of the universe planted some animals there. In fact, and they are just flat because of the pressure. <laughs> they had adjusted them. They know how to balance the pressure inside and outside. They say, okay, so, then they will not say, sorry, we were wrong. They keep, and they want me to discard my Bible? They talked about dinosaurs. One day I was reading the book of Job. And they make it look like a uh, uh, dinosaur. I said, these dinosaurs are in the Bible. Just read God described Leviathan. You, saw, you know this is a dinosaur. When I was reading, I said, but this is a dinosaur now. Then I now opened a particular book, a commentary. He now wrote something and said, possibly a dinosaur. I said, see, it was not even something that a pastor bang, he got it by revelation. That revelation is deep. No. Men had written it, just I did not read it. But I'm happy I didn't read it before I said it myself, so that you know that it made sense. I know the drawings of dinosaurs you saw, you've seen. Eh? They are all wrong. Absolutely all of them wrong. You know why? We have found out from experience that human beings cannot, there's no way of determining soft tissue from bones. What I mean is that if you see bones of an, of an animal, all right? If you've never seen the animal, you can never predict the kind of flesh he had. It's not possible. So you know what they did? Some people did the experiment. They took the bones of hippopotamus, a horse, and that of a crocodile, and gave people, these experts, to draw flesh on them. If you saw what they came up with. At the end, meet me, I'll show you the pictures. And I'm, I'm not joking. I'll show you the photo. I, no, I have the photo. If you want the photo. You know me. I, look, look, look. I just... If you see, I said, what? These people just took rubbish. Kept it there and expect us to believe that this is what these animals look like. Take a look. <laughs> See what they said, what, what they said hippopotamus look like, that thing, thing up there. <laughs> because we don't have enough technology right now to use the genetic code eh, to determine the amount of fat that impacts in his body. Can you believe that? And these same people drill the dinosaur for us from the bones. Nonsense. And if you know a little bit, is likely most of those dinosaurs, if not all of them, lived in the seas, lived in the oceans, which made sense because of their body weight. Kinda amount of body weight around on the earth was extremely hard. So God made them float in the oceans exactly the way Job described them. Ha! They are nothing upon me this morning to let you know. Believe the scriptures. Believe the record of the Holy Spirit. Very accurate. Interpret everything with that. So when you hear me say some things, even though I went to school, I learned these things, I know, you know what David said? I have more understanding than my teachers. Why? Your testimonies are my meditation. 
The other is some people did some science. They said sitting down is a risk for dying. You see what I said? That is worse than cigarette smoking. You see what I said? That for having the chair in your office, it's like you are smoking cigar. You are smoking cigarettes. And the health risk. When I, I, I read it, I just I threw away the nonsense. Rubbish and nonsense. I just threw it away because if you read well, you will know that sitting down is ordained of God. As long as it's in the Bible. I, I, what do you read? It's in the Bible. He that sits in the heavens shall do what? Laugh. God likes the idea of sitting. Sitting. All over the Bible. Sit at my. So when Satan wanted to confuse people, you know what he did? He told them you need to stand. Do you know now they not design offices where people stand to work? I said, listen, these are people who die and go to hellfire. Because you see, they have rejected the word of God. Me, I'm going to sit. I will sit there. Until we started reading the science behind some of these things. I said, this, go and read what they call p-hacking. Those of you who do scientific publications, just go and Google up p-hacking. They rearrange, because, ah, let me not say more. Just go and read up. People twist things to make to say what they want to say. Partly because nobody will publish them if they don't say anything outrageous. Oh, yeah. They found out that if you don't say anything outrageous, you don't get published. And one man said, you don't have to get, he said, the sin it's not in getting it wrong. The sin is not in getting it published. So even if it's wrong, just publish it. Because wrong or right, once it's been published, you get promoted. It's not your business to go and read and decide that this thing is not accurate. I don't want to sit on it. Taking too much of my time. But what's the emphasis? People of God, believe the scriptures. What did I say? Believe the what did we say? Believe the, the scriptures have never been proven wrong. It's the other people that keep going up and down. Left and right, to and fro. The scriptures have never been proven wrong. They lied to you that there was a time a religion said the earth was flat. The religion never said that. The Bible always said, He that sits above the circles of the earth. The Bible never said the earth was flat. Think God is stupid? Why would the earth be flat? What else do you see in the galaxy that's flat? Think about Christian. No, they, they want to paint it as if the Bible makes it clear from time. There's what they call the circles of the earth. These circles. Ah, please do. Don't try. Look, listen, my friend. Read your Bible. This Bible, no book, more than Albert Einstein. The people who really knew stuff, it was because they read the scriptures and it made them marvel. They meditated their way spiritually into, they wanted to contemplate what, what is really happening. They didn't think it was about, those who say there's no God, there's no God, you can't listen to them talk. I've listened to some of them talk. I said, look, I'm disappointed. The first day I listened to Dawkins talk, I told one of my classmates, oh, hypes Dawkins a lot. I said, oh boy, this is the person you follow. I said, you shock me. I told him, I said, I'm disappointed. I expected to hear intelligent talk. This is the crap you listen to and you've been following? And I meant it literally. I wasn't trying to be religious. I said, you caught this reasoning? I told him, I said, I'm disappointed. And later on, he said, no, the man is smart. He just is not eloquent. This is not about eloquence. This is about stupidity. Believe the word of God. If they tell you, that Methuselah lived to be 969 years, believe it literally. I was telling you that I believe some things. What's the name of this man? Um, uh, Sadhu Savara, I was telling you, that he said there's a Maharishi of Mount Kailash that's at about 100 years. The man has at now, if he's still there, the way they said, will be close to 500 years in age. Sounds ridiculous. You know what? This guy believes it. The same man said that John, the beloved, is still alive. That didn't die, and it's not dead. 
Where is he? He tried to give his address. I don't, I don't know where that address is. Like tell you, say, something is in Okokomaiko Street, Enugu. Do you know where Okokomaiko Street is? So if I give it to you, what difference does it make? Do you know Okokomaiko, you know? It's in Lagos. So even if I tell you, what difference does it make to you? I'm not going to hold on to it as a, an item of faith, but to me it's not ridiculous. Strange things happen. Somebody just compiled 11 testimonies of Ben Carson. All right? Yeah, I saw it somewhere. You read testimonies by an intelligent man, a, a world-renowned neurosurgeon. He's a believer. And he shows things that God has done for him. He's operating. Bleeding takes over everywhere. He doesn't know how to stop bleeding somebody's brain. This continues for the next few minutes. The fellow is dead. And he says, Lord, I need your help. And suddenly, miraculously, the bleeding stops. Testimony of how he needed to pass an exam. An angel walked into a hall in his, in his dream, saw questions on the board, and he kept on, when he woke up, tried to remember everything. He remembered most of it enough for him to pass the exam. How God killed his anger. In fact, when I read that testimony, I said, God, please now, help our unbelief. Help us build our faith. Unbelief is the reason why we are not experiencing the power of God in our lives. That's why, listen, I, no, I began already talking about the fact, you know, I'm back to the world vitrition sometimes about that information then. Feed your head. Look, stop reading all these lies. They lie all the time. Read things that build your faith. Such testimony, read them again. There are 11 testimonies a man gave. Somebody, somebody um, extracted them from about three or four of his books and put them together in one place. So I just saw it. So I took it from there and just shared it around with people. Read them. Take a book like Adventures in God by John G. Lake. Read books like that. Get any compilation of books by Catherine Coleman. Please, I'm recommending it. Like things like, I believe in miracles, Daughter of Destiny. All right? A compilation of testimonies I'm here to say. Please, anyone you see, lay your hands on them and read. Let me tell you the reason why. Catherine Coleman's testimonies are compiled after much research. They don't compile testimonies that you give, you give on the pulpit. People come forward. They touch them. They fall under the power. They come here. I was healed. They don't compile those things. So, any testimony you give, they go and research it. They will talk to your doctor. They will ask to see medical records. The journalists go after it. Before Catherine Kuhlman publishes one testimony, it's been thoroughly researched. Not only thoroughly researched, you, whose testimony is being published, must be living a Christian life at that moment in time. So they want it complete. That's why I recommend Catherine Kuhlman's compilation of testimony, things like I believe in miracles. Everyone you read there will boost your faith. You know, one particular one that interested me, they told the story, somebody was commenting, I think at the end of the book, that there's a particular woman, I think she had lupus or multiple sclerosis. One of those difficult to treat disorders, chronic, lives with you all the days of your life and cuts your life short quite significantly. The woman got well. They researched everything, saw her medical records, saw the ones after she had been prayed for and the miracle had happened in her life. But they did not publish her testimony in any of the books. Do you know why? As soon as she got fully well, she returned to parting and living a worthy life. And they said, we can't publish this. Not even by covering the name. We are not publishing. You read, no, it, read these things. Read John Gilead and things like that. You will find the merging of the spiritual. I've given a few tests. I've personally experienced many of these things. We pray here. An acute osteomyelitis disappears over there. Because two of us join hands and say, God, please. What are we saying? One of the testimonies I read in that book, a woman who had been involved in the old court and all of that, she wanted to leave. She ran into a church. There's no protection in buildings. 
There's none. She ran into a church for protection. While she was there, two spirits just walked by. And one of, as they were floating past, one touched the daughter. She caused running with her daughter. And left. A few days later, the girl became ill. And was diagnosed with polyarthritis nodosa. Go and Google up the story, the, the, the meaning of that. P-A-N. If you don't, just write P-A, give space, and write nodosa. You can remember that one easily. The girl was sick unto death. Doctors couldn't do anything. And they dragged the girl for a Catherine Kuman's meeting. One touch, she was healed. How did she fall sick? One touch by an evil spirit. Come on, let's, let's get to know no, this life is not a game of chance. There are spiritual things happening here. Let nobody come and tell you the scriptures are not. They are real. Very real. Read things that boost up your faith. Because I found out the less faith you have, the more you sink. There's nothing happening around that's enough to sink anybody. It's unbelief that sinks us. It's unbelief that sinks us. And you must learn to... See, well-researched and well-documented testimonies, listen to them, not joke-out testimonies. Thank God these testimonies were there before this modern day when people can now hack anything, do deep fakes and all of that. That's why we believe scriptures. I don't need anybody these days telling me. If you know the amount of lies outside, if you know the amount of lies outside... So I documented the other day, hosted by Jordan Peterson, you know, a talk. And when I saw the history behind this transgender thing, you will cry. A man lied with somebody's life all day. A woman wanted to circumcise the child. They mistakenly burnt up the, burnt up the child's um, uh, um, uh, male organ and was a twin. So the twin was normal. So one doctor picked on it and said, good, don't worry about the burnt organ. Raise the child as a girl. Because he believed that gender, you know, is a battle of societal construct. It's not really based in biology. Okay. And for decades they worked on it, except one thing. Everything failed, but nobody published it. It was a colossal failure. That chap ended up committing suicide. Unfortunately, the parents were not very well educated. They are from Canada. They did not understand. They are white people. Yet, they keep on spreading the lies. They are so, the outside there, you know what they call lies? Lies everywhere. Lies everywhere. Lies, lies, lies. I'm not ashamed of my gospel. I'm not ashamed of the scriptures. I will read them and believe the scriptures. Can't live my life with people's lies. If the Bible says Methuselah lived to be 969, I believe it 100%. I do. If it says that one time God flooded the earth and killed everybody else apart from anything inside the ark, unless you're a marine animal. You understand? <laughs> I believe it. And of course, every day we keep on seeing things that support those things. And the Bible makes it clear to us that it didn't rain on the earth until that time. We believe it. And the earth is not a dot in space that nobody knows how it got there. Now we know. The space out there, we don't even know what is there. After all, people won Nobel Prizes now, Nobel Prize last year for proving that the universe is not locally real. Now, whatever that means, don't bother your head about it. But the important thing is that you can't live by what will happen to um, one Andromeda galaxy. Long, it's nothing concerning you. Now concern you. Read the scriptures. What did I say? What did I say? We are still trying to get to what we're saying. Now, when all of that trying to, you know, it's because of the accounts of the Bible concerning people's um, life span that I went to all of that. And I'm trying to say to you that, look, believe the word of God. All right? So back to it. So when God spoke, Homo sapiens, Adamus, remember that? And Homo sapiens, Christus. You know, when God spoke, eh? When he said die, it didn't happen instantly. 
Homo sapiens Adamus began to wear down. Began to wear down. Every subsequent generation, the genes began to suffer some faults that were spread to the next generation. I kept on getting worse. And do you know what? I can say this clearly. If Jesus did not come at a particular time. Now listen, this is very important what I'm about to say. Because sometimes people, when they don't have enough understanding, they, will not, they can give you all forms of argument against the point you are making. Because they don't understand. The whole globe will have ground to a halt. Mankind will have ground into extinction if Jesus did not come at the time he did. Do you hear what I said? Yes. Because the blood of bulls and goats, truly, they kept the earth going for a long time. But they couldn't do it forever. What I'm saying is a matter of fact. There's a reason why God gave sacrifices. Without those animal sacrifices, this globe would not have survived beyond the first few hundreds of years after the fall of Adam. It required the, how do I say it? The infusion of life, which was only generated, or should I use the word guaranteed? I don't know, that's not a good word. But it was generated by the offerings of the bloods of bulls and goats. And it happened everywhere, not only with the Jews. You know, you know, when you're reading the Bible, you must understand something. The Bible was written to give us some, well, okay, let me put it this way. God has some prophetic words to issue forth. I hope you get my point. So he selected a group of people and he committed to them Paul said, the oracles of God. So the nation of Israel, God gave to them the promises of God to keep. However, there were dealings with other people everywhere. God was the judge of all the other nations. He gave them different laws. You broke the laws. He punished you. You kept the laws. He blessed you. He gave them sacrifices also. Some of the sacrifices were crazy. Oh, the people, I mean, like they misunderstood the sacrifice. They began to pervert the sacrifices. But the sacrifices used to work. Once to me, one practice they had in our hometown. Do you know what? We found it later with the scapegoats in Israel. But down there, historically, they used to use a slave. Just like Jesus Christ went to the gates of, uh, the streets of Jerusalem and went to Golgotha, a slave would walk through the streets. Yes. And finally be sacrificed at the end of it. And as he's passing by, people are throwing all their sins and their problems for the next year upon the slave. As he dragged him through the streets of the town, people will come out and say, all my troubles for this year, I moved them over to to you. Take them and go with them. It's on your head now. They'll be shouting from their doorsteps. At the end of it, they offered him up as a sacrifice. The Jews did exactly the same thing. The high priest put a hand on a goat. Two goats, actually. One offered, one let go. And this people down here, they never read the books of Judaism. There were sacrifices everywhere. The Moabites knew what to do when things were rough. Oh, they knew what to do. This earth survived only because, because, you see, as soon as Adam sinned and he was leaving that garden, the whole thing would have begun to implode. Yeah, no, little by little. I don't believe this earth will have survived up to a thousand years. 
Adam and his descendants will have gone with it. Except that God took an animal, instituted a way of appeasing judgment, his own judgment, sacrificed the animal, and clothed him with the skin thereof. And he told Adam, keep this thing going. That's the only way you guys will survive until the next Adam comes. So he taught it to Abel, Cain and Abel. Cain rebelled against it and it was judged. Abel obeyed it, kept the earth going. How do we know? He said, by faith, he offered up. You don't offer up without hearing something by faith. You can't offer up by faith except you hear something. So every, if you see, Israel was not given to us to understand the dealings of God. So you see, God gave all kinds of sacrifices, all kinds of things to do. Why? To stay the hand of judgment until the sun will come. Now, you know, I began all of this trying to explain the issue of knowledge, how it, you know, it affects us. So, Homo sapiens Adamus was death doomed. I hope you're getting my point. Is the reason why our bodies right now are death doomed. Is the reason why aging is a painful process. Is the reason why you grow older, you stop seeing clearly. Is the reason why you get tired. As a young man, you can run, run, run all over the place. They want after 20 times, you are 50 something. He said, Do you think I'm still a small boy? And you are priding yourself in death. Yeah, that's it. But there is a spirit of life. That's what I'm talking about. Which is back to where, where I began. Homo sapiens Christus has two stages. Just as that death, you know, judgment came upon Adam and his descendants, in the same manner, when Jesus breathes upon you, please, if you are here, you have not given your life to Christ, give your life to Christ. You need Jesus to breathe upon you. You need it to. I'm not saying be religious and be nice. I say, come to Jesus and say, breathe upon me. Breath of God, breathe upon me. Breathe upon me, spirit of the living God. Let me put that this. Living Christ, breathe upon me. He said, the first man became a living soul. The second man, a life-giving spirit. Listen, I've taken some time to explain this, and it's time well used. Because the opposite is what I was getting at. That spirit, when it's injected, it starts another process. As long as we are in this earth, another process is started. And I say it and I mean it is true based on the word of God. It's the spirit of God I'm speaking by. If we continue, that word is continue in the faith. Generation after generation, people start living longer. I hope you're getting my point. Generation after generation, genetic disorders will start disappearing. Without you knowing about them. Generation after generation, genes will be corrected. One problem we have eh, is everybody wants everything. No, 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 no. God does some no, 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 no things. Amen? But listen, let's forget the no, no, no things for a moment. Let's realize that we are in for a long walk. We are in for a long walk. Listen, forget, look, Nigeria and its problems. First, there are problems everywhere. Okay? There are problems everywhere. But let me tell you something. Water is everywhere. But people with the spirit of God will continue to float. That's where I'm going. You know what happened? Your descendants will possess the land. Yeah. See, see. You know, please beg people. Go, when I say go to church, I don't, please, you know, when I say go to church, what I'm saying is different though. It's not a, it's your name on the Anglican church roster. That's not what I mean. 
I may go regularly and hear the word of God preached and drag your children. Let them start to teach them at home. Let them start with Sunday school in church. Let them go to church. Pray for them that they will go to church. And warn them that there's no life outside church. They must go. It's not church as in denomination and a building. But the constant fellowshipping with brethren where the word and the spirit of God have been infused into them. That's what I'm talking about. If Christ does not return, I will follow this order. A time will come, listen to me, hmm? that your whole descendants, your whole generations, not one person will know what they call poverty. Yeah, they won't know it personally, experience. If they ever suffered poverty, in quote, this is how it will happen. Jesus said, he sat with them. He said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. So there's nothing he can do. He can't kill me, can't make me see, can't do anything. He said, but so that the world will know that I love the Father, that's why I'm going to the cross. What I'm trying to say, a time will come, the only reason your children will suffer poverty is that they get, got up in the morning and say, I am going to the midst of poverty to go and help people. I hope you get my point. Jesus said, I lay down my life of myself. They will say, no, I lay down my wealth of myself. And when I'm tired, I'll take it up again. That the only experience they will have is that they went out to help the poor. So they decided to be touched with the feeling of their infirmities. And I don't mean that they will have the technology for how to do business. No, life will just be normal with them. And then they put their hands to will prosper. Generations down the line, you will find out that this body that we are handing down to the next generation, handing down to the next generation, you know, through the genes and all of that, a time comes, not one, one like this will be sick. Not one. And they won't know why. I thought about it about the last few days, again. And I said, now, wow. The way we have glorified medical science. Were it not for that, we are in modern day. We'll have, built a, we'll have built a calf, an image of a doctor with a stethoscope around his neck and syringe in his hand. And every morning we'll have been throwing flowers like Indians. Yes, we won't have. We'll have been. We'll put medical textbooks around him. Image. And then we'll go there and bow. We don't do that physically, but we'll do that in our hearts. Do you know that? we we'll do that in our hearts. I have more understanding than my teachers, David said, because your testimonies are my meditation. You know, years ago I would talk to <laughs> I'm laughing. No, I'm laughing. I left medical school in 1991. Do your arithmetic. We're in 2023. Okay, yeah. End of this year. Around, um, I think, is it this September we finished? Can't remember now. All right. I've done a bit of reading since that time. I did postgraduates. I've been teaching. I still teach. All right. Which means I get involved in all kinds of Knowledge keeps increasing. So I'm looking back now at some of the arguments I used to have with people, and I realize how ignorant they were. So what I'm going is that, so years ago, we used to have arguments. And one of my classmates said, so I was just talking about how I tried to keep myself well-fed in the midst of our poverty. So every morning, I buy, you know, I get bread. Yeah, I buy a small one, and I fry, I think, I use, I think it's two eggs, so that I can you know, take a glass of milk. So at least let me make sure I have some milk. He said, Banky, you should know better. I said, no better than eating bread. He said, no, how can you be eating two eggs in the morning? So I said, what is wrong with that? He said, cholesterol. I said, my friend, get away. <laughs> I told her, my friend, get away. She was trying to argue. I said, I can see her face. Very silly human being. I just said, look, my friend, get away. I mean, man is suffering here. You are trying to keep alive. You are telling me. Cholesterol <laughs> nonsense. I didn't even answer her. Look, when, this is how I rule every morning, okay? I don't keep body and soul together. 20 years later, the whole medical world apologized that we are sorry. Dietary cholesterol has nothing to do with your health. 
I said, eh? you go find out now. I knew that before the foundation of the world. <laughs> my own logic was different, though. My logic was that I looked around, and I saw the intense poverty around. And I said, why do you give African man, American man's problem? Please, again, I'll do my digression. If you don't like it, close your ear. See, a lot of knowledge you have out there is politics. It's not truth. It's simple politics. Mike Mudok will say, whoever transmits information transmits their prejudice. American man problem is not the same thing as African man problem. We don't have the same dietary habits. We don't have the same cultural habits. So some things that constitute problems for them, they're not even a problem for us. And someone's going to say, don't eat sugar. It's not good for you. I look, I say, say what? You, can you pay sugar? You know how much Dangote is charging? Can you pay for sugar? They can't pay. And they say, don't eat sugar. I say, it's even good. You can't afford it anyway. So leave it like that. Says, I say, what is wrong with it? He said, you see, if you eat sugar, it gives you diabetes. I say, if you believe that sugar causes diabetes, obviously you have never been to anything medical like in a school in your life. All your knowledge is from, uh, uh, what do they call TikTok. <laughs> that you have never, that is, in fact, I can be so angry. I used to tell my students, if you write for me, I will just fail you. That is, you must fail in Jesus' name. You must fail. If you go and write that sugar causes diabetes. You know why? It doesn't. Zero relationship. Absolutely zero. Some of you are here. Are you serious? Yes, no. Well, your information has been coming by website written by a somewhere. Who's <laughs> <laughs> trying to say? <laughs> the Lord is good. Where I'm going is that you, when I say people worship human knowledge, worship is what I'm talking about. We worship it so much. You know what? What they say becomes really in our lives. And I'm talking about the life of Christ. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. Instead of using that information that you get out there, they feed the life of Adam, which is going down anyway. Did you hear what I said? You feed the, see, the kind of life you feed as a Christian, because you have two now. Yeah, the natural flesh, Homo sapiens, Adamus, which Paul said must be put to death. And then we must activate the second life that we have, which is Homo sapiens Christus. And that's what I'm talking about. The way by which you activate it is by what you feed it with knowledge, understanding. You have to feed it. If you don't feed it, the life that God kept there for you keeps dying. I have found out. Look, the truth, okay? is that the spiritual realm, of course you know, is more real than the physical realm. You have to pump the power in the spirit realm so high that it overshadows the natural order. I don't know whether I get my point. Let me say this way. Let's get back to the issue of health. If you spend all your time hmm, reading what cholesterol does to you, what sitting down does to you. Now, first, half of what you will read, okay, let me put into three. One third of what you will read will be not only untrue, they will be harmful. Like I said to you the other time, now it's been found out that taking vitamin supplements is actually harmful to healthy people. Many people did not know that. Okay? That except there's a reason for you to use vitamin supplements, you hurt yourself and waste your money. And of course, the best ones are very expensive and they are just as useless as the cheap ones. For healthy people. Healthy people. 
So it's possible one third of the knowledge you will get will be harmful to you. There are many things they say you should not eat, which is actually good for you, but you don't eat them because they told you to harm you. So you are being hurt by wrong information. Okay? Another one third of the information you will get will be totally useless. Now, when they tell you to drink alkaline water, have you heard that nonsense before? Yeah, absolute rubbish. Except that when you drink it, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't help, it just wastes your money. Let me quickly say something. Please, stop doing this. There's one habit some people have. Let's just, let's just do it so that in case. Don't do in case. Your life is not an in case life. Don't do in case. Because there are so many in case cities that, next thing you know, you're just a basket case. Yeah, all kinds of cases. You say, okay, I've seen that. They say, don't eat it just in case. Must everybody be tossing you to and fro like a mugu? I hope you know the internet is free. Any joker, no matter how ignorant he is, can put something up there. They just designed the website well and use the title, Dr. So and so. Look closely, Doctor of what? There are some, there are traditional Dr. So and so. Herbal Dr. So and so. Some PhD in philosophy. He's doctor now. Like Chooks will go and start a website on perfect health. You will know he's a doctor of business management. <laughs> I've seen professors giving lectures, and I'm looking at that. Excuse me. So today's lecture is going to be given by Professor Okiemote. Uh, he's, he's a professor in um, a University of Minnesota and all of that. So everybody, so he comes. I start telling you six keys on how to handle your heart. Um, a heart and blood pressure. And you're there listening. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Now, he's a professor. He's a doctor. But what you will not know, there is a professor of psychology. <laughs> and has no reason on earth to talk about heart health. He has no qualification. So that is pure fraud. <laughs> you are talking about fraud. That's where the real fraud is. <laughs> but you go there, open your heart, you are listening to nonsense being spoken. Like one of my classmates, I said something. He said, Patrick, why do you talk like this? These are experts. I said, nonsense is still nonsense even when spoken by experts. I quoted, God is not dead, one of these movies. You hear nonsense being spoken by an expert. Pure, undiluted rubbish. And you are living your life by it. Now, this is where I'm going. With all of this, you know what you are doing? You are activating the life of what? Adam. That's the second set of information you have. Useless information, but not harmful. The third set, a little bit useful. There's only one problem. Naturally, it is useful, but again, it is activating for you the life of Adam. So if they say, they say exercise. No, exercise is good. And it's in the Bible. It has a little profit. But then we now package this together Hurtful information, useless information, and little beneficial information. Some of them actually quite beneficial. All right, I should add that one to that last group. Some of them can be quite beneficial. Hey, so many things to say. Let me not go there again. But then at the end of the day, you know what's happening to us? In all of this, we are activating the life of Adam. So we wake up in the morning, we go and exercise, which is one of those ones that are, that are good a bit. Do you get my point? When we are exercising, we don't take some, maybe we carry our bottle of alkaline water, which is a useless exercise. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. Then when we are dehydrated, instead of drinking water, we can't because you did not bring the alkaline water. And then you collapse and they rush you to hospital. And the doctor now gives you acidic water. <laughs> and then you survive. 
You didn't have to collapse. Do you get my point? When all of this, you know what you are doing? You are activating the life of Adam. I know the thing about Adamic life, it's been doomed to what? Death. No matter how well you do these things, the life is going down. No matter how well you do it, the life is going down. The other day I said something, I don't know how to make a brother to check it up. That's what they call the obesity paradox. They found out that slim people actually end up dying faster than people that have some body weight. Oh, some people did not know that. Ah. Let me give you personal advice. This, this is not scripture. What I'm about to give you now is not scripture, but just common sense. If you're a woman, eh? You can be doing a kwelenge, kwelenge when you're 20, 30. But girl, as you approach 40, now gain small weight too. Now let me just advise you. I'm not going to talk more than that. If you cross menopause looking like Angelina Jolie, hmm? don't say I didn't want you. You'll be so ugly you wouldn't believe it. I know what I'm telling you. <laughs> now, so all your money go free for cosmetics. You're trying to See, <laughs> I'm begging you. See, you can be doing all this on Agbani directly. She be you're only 20. It's okay. You are just 25. We won't quarrel. But brethren, once you come for your 40th birthday, try and eat. And it now beg and they beg you eat something. Once you do the 50th one, please, I will check your mid arm thickness. Be sure God has something to use to bless you later because <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm telling. Don't let these Americans confuse you. They have an obesity problem which we don't have. So please don't let them confuse you. I know what I'm saying. Hmm? What I'm saying all of this is that so we end up activating the life of Adam. When we finish activating the life of Adam, he's doomed to destruction. So he can be jogging and fall down there and die. Adam is Adamic life. It's not sustainable. There's no trick for sustaining it. No, I'll tell you some more things. No, you're not going. I need to help you. See, many drugs they are telling you to take, they are useless. So. Let me just warn you now. If you are not sick, be careful how you take medicine. And if you are sick, pray first. Then when they give you medicine, pray again. Before I see the doctor, you know, stand at the door. In the name of Jesus, all you evil spirit, I bind you. <laughs> Don't enter this place. Father, give him knowledge. Give him understanding. Help my own belief. If I had enough faith, I wouldn't be here. But please, have mercy. And say, Lord, possess him. Possess him. You know what I found out? Half of the times people go for treatment. Their treatment, can't, they don't need medicine. Somebody talks to them and tells them to make some lifestyle adjustments. Wala, we go away. I know what I'm telling you. Once they prescribe expensive drug for you to be taken daily, first ask the doctor, did this company sponsor you for any trip recently? <laughs> then ask another person, really, whether you really, no, seriously, if you're going to take a drug for a very long time, tell, it's modern practice. Ask another, tell the doctor, I would like to get a second opinion on this. It's not a quarrel. No, yeah, I mean, before they start, is it the one thing? <laughs> get another opinion. I hope you're getting my point. I know why I'm saying what I'm saying. Okay? Because many people have been hurt daily for no reason. Daily, it's happening. Why? Because we are spending all our energy trying to preserve Homo sapiens Adamus. And no matter how hard you try, it eventually fails to die. 
What are we supposed to do? Put our energy into activating the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Homo sapiens Christus is actually a different species of human beings, which unfortunately is still inhabiting the body that was originally given to Homo sapiens Adamus. Don't forget, the body itself is a case for a seed. You know that? No, the Bible tells us now, each seed, you understand? God gives to each the body according to the kind of seed that it has. So the Homo sapiens Adamus I'm talking about is a seed. So it's planted in this body. Now it's being displaced. I was saying something to you earlier. The things of God go through a process. So just like God said, that day you shall die. And that thing began to die. Began to manifest physically. Okay? When God now says, live. Living takes a process. He said, I saw you in your blood and I said to you, live. It took years. Living takes a process. Living takes time. It does. Many of us don't realize that. Living takes time. So what we need to do is to be persistent in activating that life. So we have a new life. It's called Homo sapiens Christus. We have to feed it. We have to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Because if you don't, yeah, that's, I wanted to say that, say that there are two sides to it, all right? That the, the deeds of the flesh must be put to death. Why? They are activating the life, the death-doomed life, of Homo sapiens Adamus. So should I say, they're activating the death. That, that's better, right? Yeah. They're activating the death. So, the deeds of the flesh. Let's read them quickly. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Let me just start from verse 18. But if you are led or propelled, energized by the Spirit, that's a new life. You are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are, let's read them together, one, immorality, two, Impurity, three, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, functions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. Let's just stop there, all right? Now, no, let me read the next line. It said, and things like this, do you get my point? It said, and things like this, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me quickly say something that this man said. Jack Hayford said, you read John, I'm quoting Jack Hayford, the Bible scholar, I edited the Bible, Spirit-filled Bible, I think so. Jack Hayford said, if you read John, hmm, you don't find the word kingdom of God much. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you don't find the word eternal life much. John used the word eternal life a lot but doesn't he use kingdom of God much? What is the reason? He said both are referring to the same thing. So John chose the word eternal life. You go to Matthew, we tell you kingdom of heaven. You go to Luke, tell you kingdom of God. But that is all the same thing. Why am I saying so? Let's use Paul here and use what Jacobus said to interpret this. He said, those who practice such will not inherit what? Eternal life. Eternal life is the life of Homo sapiens, what? Christus. So this is what I'm making. The deeds of the flesh, they activate the death of Adam. Did you hear me? What did I say? Say it after me. The deeds of the flesh, they activate the death of Adam. That is that Homo sapiens Adam was. That Adam life that's doomed to death, the deeds of the flesh will activate that principle. It's called the law of sin 
and death. So anyone who's participating, even though you claim to be a Christian, please let me say it again. Those who preach grace, 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 and they make you live a disgraceful life, they're not helping you. The grace of God does not excuse a life of immorality. And then that next one, I want to quickly add it to it. Impurity. What they call impurity. See all this LGBT thing. It's what the Bible calls impurity. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. The grace of God does not excuse idolatry. It does not, of course, idolatry is the one that covers, if you check idolatry and envy, covetousness comes inside there. Listen, the grace of God does not excuse them. Grace or no grace, you're activating the death of Adam in your life. What does grace do? The grace of God that is manifested does what? He teaches and empowers us to depart from iniquity. The grace of God teaches and empowers us to kill idolatry, immorality, impurity, sensuality, sorceries, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger and things like this. Drunkenness, which comes of course including drug addiction and all of that. The grace of God kills it for us, instructs us to, and energizes us to get away from using bodily stimulants and hallucinogenic things like Indian hemp. Somebody says, can I smoke and go to heaven? Let's leave that in. You will smoke and die on earth. That's what we are talking about. You activate the life, the death-doomed life of Adam. You activate the spiritual principle of the Adamic nature so that everything that God said about Adam will happen in your life. He said to Adam, the earth will no longer yield for you. You activate it in your life. Do you follow my point? However, what are we supposed to do? Because we have the life of Christ and we have the grace of God, we have the grace of our Lord Jesus That grace is what I'm talking about. That grace says to us, activate the life, activate the power that works towards those who believe. That's what I've been explaining all this while. Now, I'll get back to that fruit of the Spirit in a moment. Please, can you quickly go back to Ephesians chapter 1? Now, let me connect this with what I was saying. So, and I'll explain that knowledge is important, right? We use it to activate. So, among the things we need to know is that grace of our Lord Jesus. And that's what I'm already explaining. Like because, you see, if you don't know some things, you can leave it dormant, lying fallow. You know, a lot of people, they have smartphones in their hands. They don't know how to use it. A friend of mine, the other day, told me he bought his wife a phone. He had bought it. It's very expensive, very, very expensive, you know. All those very top, 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 top. And I'm like, okay, it's good, you know. Just use it to make her think you love her, you know. You know like, okay, my husband loves me and all of that. But I knew that the truth is that I can be sure of one thing. If she uses 5% of the capacity, how do you give somebody, for example, you know, the top end, 22, 23 ultra, you know, and then all the person does is phone call, and thank you, WhatsApp, then Facebook and snap photo. They didn't make it for that. No. There are so many other phones that can do that. So there are times somebody saying like, hey, you know, people have come to you that, how can I get your messages as an example? And you're looking like, you're looking at the person's hand. 
Is that phone yours? Like, is that phone yours? He's like, yes, yes, yes. And you're asking me how you can get my messages. And that phone is your own. Is it your own? You bought it with your money? Or your husband bought it for you? Yes. So that means people can afford data. Just buy 3,000 naira data. Load it. Go to pastor.ng. 3,000 naira data will give you at least 500 messages. What's your problem? Why are you here talking to me? Stretch forth your rod and divide the Red Sea. Do you get what I'm going to say? That is, people sometimes they have things. They don't know how to use them. We have the life of Christ. We don't know how it works. We don't know. It's not benefiting us. Not because it doesn't work. But because we don't know how it works. And we don't activate it. We don't go through the process of making sure that life is effective in our lives. We don't pay attention to it. That's why I gave the example of uh, health issues. You know, I was saying that. So we go through all of that, but we don't realize that what we are doing in all of this is moderating the Adamic life. We are trying to stretch the life of Adam in us. Now, let me give an extreme. Extreme. When the life of Christ is fully manifested, now, please, don't misunderstand me. Don't hear half. I'm going to be telling people what I said, though, which I did not say. Just hear it fully. When the life of Christ is fully manifested, you will not need this red blood flowing through your veins. Do you hear what I said? Of course, by that time, it's called what? Resurrection body. That's where we are heading for, by the way. That's where we are heading for, by the way. But even before then, God can give a dose of that life. It's called the power of the ages to come. He drops a dose of that life. And the doctor is looking like, hey, you're anemic. Why run up and down? He decides to check. Say your, your HB is, is 8. And you're looking at, uh-huh, so? I drove down here. I ran down here. In fact, my mates and I are playing football at 5 o'clock. And they say, I think you're going to die. I said, Doc, I ain't going to die. Don't worry about it. You know, you don't even know what he's talking about. Now, these are things that have happened, though. And the man looking at you, and you get up and you go, and you finish playing football. Then you, this time you tell the Lord, what's that guy talking about? Next time you come to, back to him, he checks. And he says, ah, okay, your HB. Okay, okay, I thought it was 8. Actually, I meant, I think it's more like 18. Maybe I didn't see the one properly. But it's not true. What happens is that because he brought up that issue and you thought about it, all the while it was eight and you were not in heart failure and you were not going close to heart failure and you were very well. You know why? It's called the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. When it dwells in you, it gives life to your mortal bodies. Yeah, it does that. It does that. It does that. He said, ah, what did I say? Is this reasonable? Who told you the Bible is reasonable? Who told you that Peter, no, we started by saying, believe it, if it's written. Who told you that Peter walking on water is reasonable? There's something many of us don't know. Many things that God wants to do in our lives. You know what, what we do? We kill it with unbelief. So sometimes when he really wants to do it, he gets somebody to intercede for you, puts a bit of faith in your heart, and then shuts your heart away from it. So he does it anyway. You never know he did it. You never can testify about it. There are people listening to me today. Eh? They have fired bullets past you. He passed your nose. You never knew. But if he showed you the people firing, you would have died. <laughs> Unbelief will have killed you. Fear. Then, bam, they will shoot you. You will die. So God said, hey, don't show it to her. Don't show it to him. Let him pass. Just say, whom? It's a bee. Think it's a bee. It's a bullet. A life-killing bullet. Kills people. It whispers your nose. Sometimes, now listen to you. It's a sound funny. Technically, I, 
Technically, he actually hit you. Technically, he did. Just like technically, Abraham sacrificed Isaac. It actually hit you. It passed through. You were not injured at all. You did not notice. The life of God said, no, today you will not die. But he said, why won't I tell you about it? Because if I do, instead of testifying of good, first, you will not even have survived it. Because you will have seen the people fire and say, ah, I, I don't die. And once you say, I don't die, you know what happens? You die. Yeah, truly. He said, how do you know this? It's in your Bible also. When God came to John, the angel first went to his wife. Not recording scriptures, but trust me, it happened. Because it's the woman that needs to receive the power to conceive. Are you getting my point? Read through all the scriptures. You see, the women that had conceived that time, they were the ones that had most of the interactions with God. The angel first met Manuel's wife before she gave it to Samson. Do you get my point? Yes. The angel talked to Mary. Hannah was the one that took it by faith. Not Elkanah. Do you get my point? That's the Bible says the women received what? The power to conceive. That's what happens. So that's why I'm convinced. It's just pattern of scripture that the angel must have gone to see Elizabeth. But why is the story of John written for, of um, Zechariah written for us? To see how his mouth was closed. Because God said if he talks, he will spoil it. There are people who talk and he make you miscarry. True. Let me tell you, every idea you have, don't go, you know, you should know a group of people that they are, they, they, they cause miscarriage. You go have an, a, a new idea, you now say, brother, I want you to pray with me. And they say, wait, in this country, let me just tell you the truth, eh? This country, you know, nothing works. People miscarried. That business idea is dead. Why? You went and shared with people who have no faith. That kind of thing, keep it to yourself. Share it with only people, you know. That is why if you share anything with me, eh? In Jesus' name, I'm telling you, this is what I do. Even if I'm not sure what you are saying, makes sense. It will not go to the record of heaven. I'm the one that killed faith. What I will do is I will collect your hand. I will pray with you. I will prophesy. Then when you leave, I'll ask my wife. I hope he knows what he's doing. See, he said, Pastor, that it means, no, 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 no. I come under an anointing to minister to you. Should I show you in the scriptures that it works? John, the Baptist, what happened? He said to them, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. Peter and Co. ran and beheld the Lamb of God, right? Then he sent a message, are you the one to come or we have to expect another? <laughs> so don't worry, the anointing upon me works. But I'm just trying to say something. I've learned never to undermine anybody's faith. Never. If I think it's faith, if I see an iota like you are believing God, I can ask you questions to, to ask how you got to that point. But I will never be the person to tell you that. Stop it. Unless I'm absolutely certain it is foolish and it's not faith. And I need to call your attention to the fact that this is not faith. I hope you're getting my point. Where am I going to all of these things? I'm talking about activation. Sometimes, not sometimes, the way life is, eh, is that unbelief is so powerful, it kills the life, the oppression of the life of Homo sapiens Christus. And it activates defaultly the life of Adam, which is actually the death of Adam. I am saying, if we activate that life, you know what happens? Naturally, our descendants will prosper. And please, stop teaching your children, you know, stop talking nonsense. In the, you know, I'd, I'd like to talk to parents. Stop talking nonsense in the hearing of your children. You know, this country, a young person cannot... I don't think my children have ever heard that nonsense from my mouth, because I've never said it anyway. I don't believe that crap. What I tell them, which you hear me say, is that if you go to Congo, you will succeed there. 
If you go to Burundi, these are poor African countries. So if you are listening to Burundi, I don't mean any insult, but you know, right, things differ, all right? No, you will prosper in Jesus' name. You are the, God, God wants you to be there so that that nation can prosper. Yeah. And please, if you are in Rwanda, you need to continue to pray for your nation. I have my reasons for saying it. Your president should be careful. The other day I spoke and I realized that the man may, may, may be making a mistake in his clamp down on fake churches. Because when you clamp down on fake churches, you end up clamping down on real churches. What God said is let the two grow together. Don't worry about it. You are not the angel of God. You, can, you cannot. One day, one of our brothers sent me a message that they wanted to start arresting fake pastors. So what do I think? I wonder that if I see you near there, because they had brethren in the army, in the police, in DSS. Yes, seriously. So all these fake, fake miracles. I said, if I see you there, by the way, if you join, you, you will die suddenly. You won't know why. And then one false, false prophet will use that as proof that he's called. You know why? Because when you start, you cannot, listen to me, you do not have the capacity to separate the, the wheat from the tares. Those are angelic assignments. And God only gives that to the angels at the appropriate time. Some of these false prophets have been commanded by God to go and deceive people. This is Brother Simon. God will help you. The man was shocked. You don't know God does such things. Should I keep on quoting scripture for all these things? But you guys should trust me enough to know I know what I'm saying now. But just to help Simon, who will entice Ahab to go to Ramos Gilead that he might die there? He said to Isaiah, go and deaden the ears of these people. Say to them, hear and don't understand. See and don't perceive. He said, lest they hear, understand, and return, and repent, and I have to forgive them. He said, I've hardened his heart. How do you think he hardened the heart? These magicians. Oh, oh, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart was, was a technical principle. Moses would do something, magicians would replicate it. That was what he gave to the magicians to do. If God didn't give the magicians to, they could not have succeeded, especially in the presence of Moses. Everything he did, the magicians replicated them. That killed the faith of Pharaoh permanently. He realized that there's a trick Moses is using. It's not the voice of any God. Because if you do something and my magicians can do it, you are all magicians. You just know more magic than me. You don't know any God. So when they come to Moses, appeal. The point is that, oh, God, magician, my guys can't do this one. You go on, but it's all magic. Pharaoh never saw the hand of God in anything. He saw the hand of magic. Why? Everything he did, magicians did. Everything, put your hand here, magician will do. Throw rod down. All those miracles he did at the beginning, magicians were doing it. Throw rod down, magicians did it. At the end of the day, the rod of um, Moses swallowed their own. What, you know what that proved to Pharaoh? It means his magic is better. It doesn't mean there's God. So he turned to the magicians. Next rod eating ceremony, you guys must win. <laughs> so they will come to him and say, we need more money for more things. He will give to them, say, Moses, just come back next time. <laughs> Why were they able to do it? Because God gave them a commandment. Do it and succeed. When the Spirit said to God, I will, go be, I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. Concerning a house prophet. What did God say? He said, go and prosper. So some of those, ah, look, listen. Derek Prince said, and I agree with him. He said, one of, he said, one of the worst things God can do to you in life is to give you over to deception. And I'm not joking. I pray almost every day, God, please, 
Let me not be deceived. And please, let me not deceive those who are listening to me. Because Paul said to Timothy, give attention to your doctrine. That way you will save both yourself and those that hear you. I don't say things I don't pray. Say, God, please, let me not confuse anybody. Let nobody act on my words. As a result, he will disobey you. We need to activate this life of Christ. We need to activate it. We can't, we can't allow it lie dormant. We need to activate it. We need to. And like I was saying, that's one thing knowledge does for us. All right? What we know, it makes us wiser. I hope you get my point. And some things we must know are the things we are beginning to teach. What is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? I began to say it already. The new life we have. Why do we need a Savior? Let me just end with this. Okay, I want to, I want to run this off now. All right? I said you should open somewhere. Ephesians chapter 1. We'll read from verse, um, let's just read that prayer of Paul, verse 15. He said, for this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, of course, the reason is written beforehand, but we don't want to go into that now, all right? Because he talked about the fact that um, he had, anyway, the reasons are in the previous verses. He said, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you. When you are praying, remember, always Give thanks to people. While making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? He said, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet, and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You see, let me just read um, verse um, 19. In the simpler translation. He said, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, for time's sake, I will not analyze that now, even though we are going to come back to it. Now, why did I read that? I will not analyze everything, but I want to just show something there he said that there is a power that works towards those who believe. There is a great power that works towards those who believe. He said there is a greatness of God's power, which is for those who believe. Now, that is what is called grace. I've established to us again and again that grace is not just unmerited favor the way we say. It's not favor per se, even though the application of that power is an issue of favor. But the emphasis in the word grace is that it is God's power. And that he walks towards those who believe. So grace is, this is how I define it, is divine enabling power that strengthens us from day to day. That helps us do his will and helps us endure till the end. Paul will say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's what grace is. So when we talk about the grace of the Lord Jesus, it is all the power that God has made available to us because of the sacrifice of Christ Jesus which we believe in. Let me say that again. What is the grace of the Lord Jesus? Is all the power that God has made available to us. That is his power. All his power that God has made available to us because of the sacrifice 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and because we believe in that Lord Jesus. That is what grace is. So that is the grace of the Lord Jesus. That is the emphasis of the word or the, the name, the Lord Jesus there. And what is that power? Now, we began to look at that already, okay? That resurrection power, I said something about it. That new life, that the fact that we are a new species of human beings and that we need to activate the life that is in it and that we activate it through knowledge. Why do we need redemption in the first place? Hopefully, that was what I intended to teach today, but it went the way it did. Why do we need redemption? What is sin? What is Christ saving us from? Now, let me just explain this briefly and then I'll, I'll let it go there. What is sin? You know, sometimes I talk about original sin. Um, some people who don't understand, they have used that one to fight against the knowledge of God. That how can God hold me accountable for something that Adam did and I was not there? I've, I haven't understood scriptures now. I know that it is not really God's fault. It's Adam's fault. <laughs> and God is not specially holding you accountable. It's just a natural outflow of who gave birth to you. It's just natural. What do I mean? It's not, see, you must understand. Sin, what is sin? Let's define it briefly. We'll come back to it next time. Just want to rush over this. What is sin? Sin simply means this is not how God wants it. That's all. So John said, all unrighteousness is sin. What does that mean? This is not how the Lord wants it. What the Lord wants is different. Now listen to, it, to, to this. It does not mean you're wicked. It, don't, it doesn't mean you are deliberately disobedient. It just means this is not how it is supposed to be. Now, so how will Adam's sin you know, apply to you? We'll see as we go on that the sin of Adam is unique. Why is it unique? There are two sides to it. Number one, Adam knew what he was doing. But what was it that he did that was wrong in that he disobeyed God? What was it that, what was disobedience about? It was that he decided as a head of the human race, as a first Adam, he decided to isolate himself and his descendants from the lordship of God. That's all. So once you are born in the house of Adam, you are not subject to the law of God. It doesn't mean you are wicked. It just means your father did not raise you subject to the law of God. So we see later on, for that reason, death reigned, he said, until Moses, even over those who did not sin according to the likeness of the sin of Adam. It's just not natural because, you see, death is not because God is angry per se. It is that there's life in Christ. There's life in God. Let me use that expression for now, God. There's life that comes out of him. And your father said, let me give you an example. I'm in Nigeria as an example, okay? If I get up and say tomorrow I'm moving to, to give me one country, Mexico. And then I get there, I said to, and my children are born. They will be Mexican. Do you get my point? They will be Mexicans. Not because they like Mexico. It's just the natural order. You were born in Mexico, so you are a Mexican. Assuming their constitution is like that. Okay? Switzerland would never agree. Okay? But let's just leave that for a moment. Okay? So it is not because they like Mexico. It's just because their father moved from Nigeria, their mother moved from Nigeria, and then they conceived and had the children in Mexico. That's all. Is it God's fault now, in quote? No. If God now treats them like Mexicans, it's not a big deal. It's just the way where you were born. Do you get my point? So once Adam said, I am moving, technically that's what he said, I am moving out of the garden. Once you are born outside the garden, then under these circumstances, now not garden as in, because I get some questions sometimes, people just take you literally, okay? Once you are born outside the authority of God now, your father said it, God, we are moving outside your authority. So you are defaultly, by birth, a sinner. Not because you are a wicked human, please, I hope you are getting my point. 
It's just that you were born not under the law of God. So what you will do naturally will not be what God wants. That's the concept of original sin. A lot of people don't understand that. They say, how can God be punishing me for the sin that Adam committed? God never did that. He never did. But he put Adam as the head of a race. And Adam, what will you do with your race? He said, we will live by our own laws. That's all that happened. So what is the sin of Adam? Two things I said. Number one, it was a deliberate choice made by a man who was not deceived. I'll go, by, I'll go into this further next time again. What is the sin of Adam? It is the deliberate choice made by a man who was not deceived. It's the conscious transgression of express instruction. But everybody is sinning after Adam. They are not consciously transgressing any express instruction. They are just living according to the customs of their home, the customs dictated by their flesh. And because those things are not in agreement with God, they are sin. They constitute iniquity. I hope you get my point. All right? But there is a sin unto death. We'll talk about that later. All these other people now, they are not sinning what the Bible calls a sin unto death because they don't know anyway. But one day, God will come to everybody. Do you want to go back to the original order or not? And everyone that rejects is condemned already because the life of Adam is a life of condemnation. I don't know what I hear that. Is a life of condemnation. Why? Because light, life comes from God. And once your father took you away from that jurisdiction, you are born in darkness. But one day God owes that one to you, he does. He will come to you and says, do you want to continue in this path? Or will you come back to where your father ejected you from? Then you will now say, and I've seen it again and again. People, they just look at the light because knowledge makes demand. It makes demands. They tell you what you can continue doing, what you cannot continue doing. Sometimes you actually say, sell all you have, and say no. And they will leave the place very sad. Sometimes the knowledge will make a demand. Follow me. And one will say, my father left a lot of wealth for us. I'd rather stick with that. And he says, go. And whoever rejects the son is condemned already. No, it's not the son, really. The son came to a rescue you from condemnation. When you reject him, you're condemned already. But let me end with this. Those of you who are listening to me today, you have been delivered from condemnation. Amen. That, that's why you are here. That's why you are paying attention. It's because you have said, no, I won't follow the natural order. I am following the order that God made originally. I hope I have said something that blessed you today. You know, and I said I'm keeping the it's not the body under now. What are we keeping under? The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So, I said, let me not use you to be enjoying myself. So I thought about it last week. I said, no. Everybody, come and be going on time. The Lord is good. It's not every time. We just enjoy today because next time, <laughs> you never can tell what happened next time. Let's give it all thanks anyway. We say, Father, we thank you for your words for today. We thank you. <laughs> say, Lord, we thank you. We give you praise. You are good. We thank you. You are good. We thank you. You are good. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for dragging me out of the Adamic order and bringing me into the life of Christ. Thank you, Lord.